Morning, church. So I'm going to read from Titus, uh, chapter 3. This is Paul talking to Titus about what to tell these lazy, gluttonous um, cretins. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities and to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate and to show true humility towards all men. At one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when, kindness, when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. Warn a divisive person once and then warn him a second time and after that have nothing to do with him. You may be sure that such a man is warped and sinful and uh, he is self-condemned. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus and loving Heavenly Father, we give thanks for this morning. We uh, set this short time aside where we hear from your word. All glory to you, Father God. We praise your holy name. Amen. Um, when I was about 14 years old, I, um, I got the cane at school, you did back then, for making a cockatoo noise in an English class. And um, just to be clear, it, it, it wasn't like they were in the middle of um, some lesson on Shakespeare and all of a sudden I made a cockatoo noise. It was more like the teacher left the room, you see, to get a library book. And as soon as the teacher left the room... Well, first of all, the, the cool guys started chatting up the pretty girls and then there was a little bit of paper throwing and uh, a paper aeroplane and then there was a bit of noise came up and I thought it was appropriate then to make a noise like a cockatoo. I hadn't done it before but it was pretty good. I made it real and it was really loud and then someone answered me on the other side of the room uh, with another cockatoo noise and in a very short time it sounded like the Corumban bird sanctuary at feed time. And and what we all forgot was that the principal's room, office was down, downstairs underneath that room. And, and um, when I was doing my best cockatoo noise, probably the mating call of the king cockatoo, I noticed that I was the only one doing it. And when I looked up, the principal was standing at the door because everyone had seen him a bit earlier than me. And, and uh, I was taken down to the room and was given two hits of the cane which hurt a lot and from the room upstairs through the floorboards of the old building you could hear the swoosh of the cane 
So when I came back, I was a kind of a bit of a hero in a way, but it was really hurting. Anyway, so I've entitled this message, you might wonder what this has all got to do with Titus, I've entitled this uh, message, When the Teacher Leaves the Room. And this is exactly what Paul was worried about with the new church uh, in Crete. It had happened before in, uh, in, in Corinth, the church in Corinth, the Corinthian church. He'd set the church up up there and there was, there was elders in place and everything was perfect and everything like that. And then if you read when Paul had left, when the teacher left the room, the kids started to play up a bit. False teaching came in. And in fact, I, I, I was looking through the word and I came across this in Acts 20. And this is about the uh, Ephesian elders. This is, this is Paul talking to the Ephesian elders before he left that church. So this is a common theme. Keep watch over yourselves, he said, and all, and all of the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard, he was saying to the church uh, there in um, Ephesus. Yes, that's right. No, this was, yeah, in the, in the Ephesian church. He was talking to the uh, Ephesian elders. So this has been going on for quite a long time. Wherever Paul sowed uh, the gospel and, and, and set up churches, there was always, as soon as he left, there was often trouble. And so... Uh, I call it a power vacuum and, and quite often you do see it in churches. If Jesus isn't at the centre of the church and the Holy Spirit isn't throughout the church, there's a God vacuum which is very quickly filled up with all sorts of other things that are not to do with God. Pride and control and division and legalism. You know, I, the, the, probably the most startling example is the, uh, when we go back to Exodus and, and uh, Moses uh, led the people uh, through part of, the, part of the sea, took them through the desert and here they are at Mount Sinai and after all the signs and wonders exhibited by God, they still forget. Moses went up to Mount Sinai to get the tablets from God for the law to show the people how they should live and he was away for a, a little while and when he came down they had already forgotten all about God and set up a new God and built a golden calf and, and they were dance, dancing around and worshipping the new God. Moses was so enraged that he threw the stone tablets down and they broke to pieces and, and uh, he ordered that this calf, this golden calf be be filed down into shavings and, or into filings rather and thrown in the water and he made them drink the water and there was all sorts of repercussions. It could have been a lot worse if Moses didn't intervene. But the people forgot so fast. There was a God vacuum there because their leader had left. The teacher had left the classroom. Just on Moses for a little while when he went back up with new stone tablets that he chiseled out himself under God's direction 
and he came down after a while spending a while with God actually the Lord hid him in a crevice in the rock and passed by him it's amazing scenes having spent some time with with God directly again when he came down the people were scared because his face was radiant and his face was glowing see that again as the martyr Stephen standing before the Sanhedrin telling them about the Lord Jesus Christ and he looked up into heaven and his face was glowing again they didn't know what it was but they stoned him to death anyway So who was Titus? I know there's been uh, uh, a few messages so far on Titus and it's been made pretty clear who Titus was in a way. He was a, he was a, uh, a Gentile, a Greek, who had been one of Paul's early converts. I like to think that he was a pretty charismatic sort of a guy because Paul used him for this type of mission and he was a leader of men. Remember, remember uh, Apisai who sang here the other day? Young guy, big tall young guy? I think Titus might, looked, might have looked a bit like Apisai. Good looking, big, strong, tall young guy, filled with the Holy Spirit of the living God, speaking words of truth directly from heaven, and, uh, and a, a guy who people were drawn to, a persuader of men. If you look back through 1 Corinthians, you can see what the church there was doing. They had been influenced by false apostles. Uh, they had, been, uh, uh, they had, had people coming in there who were uh, Jewish uh, people who were, were trying to drag the people back to where they had been before the gospel was preached to them, introducing rules and regulations where they were not needed. And this guy, Titus, the word says in several places, but it doesn't ex expand as much as I'm trying to do at the moment, but this guy changed things around for Paul. He was there and he was such a great influence on the church that the church came back into line according to the teaching of Paul. And remember, Paul met Jesus Christ face to face. Paul was led so powerfully by the Holy Spirit that he changed the minds of men, generations of, of people and, and for 2,000 years the teaching of Paul has, uh, has affected the church, the Holy Christian Church right across the face of the earth. Uh, Paul was, was a charismatic guy himself, no doubt, but also Titus must have been as well. So he was asked to appoint elders in Crete. And uh, look at this, I can't open the second page. And, 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 and Paul had said himself that over here that, that uh, every one uh, of, the prophet, of their own prophets said that Cretans are always liars, evil brutes and lazy gluttons. And Paul says, this testimony is true. That's not a very uh, nice thing to say about people, is it? Have you ever found yourself in a situation where someone says, look out for that guy, he's a... Yeah, he's whatever. He's, he's, he's not to be trusted, or he's this or he's that or the other thing. And it colours your own view. And we've got to be careful uh, as part of the, the body of Christ to not be 
judgmental of people in any way, shape or form. So if you land in an aeroplane in Crete to have a look at the old churches or have a look at uh, Crete, which apparently is a very beautiful place, I've not been there myself, and someone comes to you and he says, my name's Demetrius and I've come to get your bags and take them to your hotel, don't be standing there thinking, you lazy glutton, get off your backside and do some work and stop eating so much. You can't say things like that. But we do judge in our hearts, don't we, instead of instead of making our own minds, waiting to be led by the spirit of what, what, uh, what um, uh, people are really like. Our experience with people as Christians. Demetrius probably has a family and, and has small meals and works six days a week. So we've got to be careful before we make our minds up based on what other people say. But Paul said this is a true saying. These people are like this. So... Titus said to Paul, what do, I, what, what do you want me to say to them? And Paul says, remind the people to be subject to rulers, obedient, do good, don't slander, be peaceful, be considerate and humble. That's pretty good, isn't it? Because he then, then goes on to say, you used to be foolish, deceitful, disobedient, enslaved by passions and pleasures. You used to be full of malice, envy and hatred. They must not have been very nice people, these cretins. I don't know whether that term's used these days, but we used to, people used to be called cretins, didn't they? You're a cretin, people used to say. I never knew what that meant, but now I do. So, so how does that happen? Already Paul had been preaching uh, the gospel through Crete. The churches had been established in a very raw form. When he got there, you'd have to say that these people used to be foolish, deceitful, disobedient, enslaved by passions and pleasures, full of malice and envy and hatred. And Paul says to Titus, remind the people to be subject to rules, obedient, always doing good, don't, not slandering anyone, being full of peace and being considerate and humble. How does that happen? You see, there is no words that can be spoken from a pulpit here by a man uh, or a woman for that matter into the lives of people that'll change them that radically. will change them from bad to good in a heartbeat. No, I think there was a supernatural move of the Holy Spirit there. And someone said to me in Brisbane one time, Richard, every time you speak, you start talking about the Holy Spirit. You say, can't you talk about something else? Well, you see, the Holy Spirit is God, and I can't stop talking about God. I'm sorry. And I don't apologize for it, even though I just did. Because... Because, you know, where you see such a radical change in the hearts of people and the minds of people, that is evidence of the spirit of the living God. It always happens that way. God changes hearts. God changes people. It always happens that way. It always. All those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. All of those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know, the ways of heaven are different to the ways of, of the world. So different. 
Jesus in Matthew 5, 3 to 12, the Beatitudes or the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor in spirit. Poor in spirit would have to denote blessed are those who are depressed. In our world, cursed are those who are depressed. In heaven, blessed are those who are depressed. Blessed are those who mourn. You see a funeral taking place and you think those poor people standing behind that hearse there, they don't look blessed, they look cursed. Blessed are the meek, the people who keep quiet, the people who keep quiet and never heard. How could they be blessed? They're blessed by Jesus, they're blessed in heaven. Blessed are those who thirst for righteousness. Have you heard that horrible term that's bandied around lately where people say, what is your version of truth? What is your version of what's right and what's wrong? Blessed are those who who, uh, are merciful to others, are pure in heart. Blessed are those who are peacemakers. All the ones persecuted for righteousness for Jesus, blessed are they. All of this is opposite. It's heavenly blessing. And yet the world looks for worldly blessing. And it was the same in Crete. These people were foolish, deceitful, disobedient, enslaved by passions and pleasures and full of malice and envy and hatred. And all of a sudden, they're the opposite. They're subject to rulers, they're obedient, they do good, they don't slander, they're peaceful, they're considerate and humble. How did that happen? supernatural power of the Holy Spirit of the living God and here is the most beautiful part of Titus it's what Trent read out this morning there was a change you see a change brought brought about by God through a spirit filled preacher called Paul and a spirit filled backer upper called Titus who, who was sent in by Paul so it starts at four But when the kindness of love and God our Saviour appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. How amazing is that? That is the truth of the gospel right there. And that is how people change from one thing to another. That's how people change from worldly pleasures to heavenly pleasures. That is the kingdom of heaven touching earth. But when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that having been justified by his grace, not justified by anything we've done or they'd done, justified by the grace of the living God, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. Not only did he change us here on earth, but by his grace, because of how much he loved us, he's given us eternal life. And, 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 and Paul goes on to say, this is a trustworthy saying. You can believe this. This is the real deal. So... just trying to wonder 
power to pull all the threads of this together for our beautiful church here at Alstonville. That little part that I read out then, verse 4 uh, to, what is it, 7 of uh, chapter 3 in Titus, you might want to go back and have a look at that again, you know. Uh, it's an expression of the love that God has for us personally it it really is I'm one and I know there's many others here who who can testify to the love that Jesus has for us us personally it's a personal thing he loves us personally he loves us corporately because we represent part of the bride of Christ he loves us so much with a love that we don't even have a chance of comprehending, but just enough to say it's heavenly love. And if you're sitting there this morning and you're thinking, maybe Richard's right in saying that, but uh, I sort of don't know whether it applies to me because of all the stuff that's happened in my life, think again. Your life here is temporary. Your life with Jesus is eternal your resurrected saved being is in the hands of Jesus now and forevermore new life started when you were born again that's what it says right there because of his mercy he saved us through the washing sorry through the washing of rebirth That means you've been born again. Those who have submitted to Jesus Christ and said, from now on, Lord, I can't do it anymore. I repent of what I've done before. I just want you to take it now, Lord, because I'm hopeless. I'm no good without you. From now on, those who repent are born again and born not only of water, but also the Holy Spirit of the living God. And some people have the Holy Spirit dormant in their hearts. And Lord Jesus Christ, I've prayed so Uh, much over the last few weeks about how to bring this word to you this morning and the Lord Jesus uh, continues to say to me quietly Richard tell them how much I love them Richard tell them tell tell them tell them that I want them to come to the cross and 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 and, and to confess uh, I'll wash them to come come forward and, and, and I'll wash them you know and I'll cleanse them and I'll fill them with the Holy Spirit. This is not something that, 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 that I'm, I'm making up. The words of, of God have been put in my mouth this morning to tell you, if I can be as bold to say that, the Lord loves us so much and he's going to do wonderful and amazing things in this church. Amen? He's going to do wonderful and amazing things in this church. I, it's, it's, it's extraordinary with how much conviction I can say that. Amen. I um, feel very humble to be asked to talk. Uh, Trent uh, is, is very gracious allowing me to speak here. And every time I speak, I feel uh, a huge responsibility because this is... This is a, 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 a hallowed, it's special, this, this pulpit here. It's not something you can walk up to and say, I'm going to take this, 
I'm going to give them a bit of Richard because I don't want Richard to be here. I want the words of Jesus Christ to be here. I want the Holy Spirit to be here, you know. And it's nothing to do with me. It's the same with worship. Worship is, 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 is to lead people to worship God, not to... Uh, and, and Sandy was amazing, the musician, thanks, darling, this morning was just so good. But, and, uh, but, but I, look at, I look at it and I think, look around, the people are worshipping God. How good's that? You know, This place has been set aside for God. I'm going to finish because uh, the, the sermon... Uh, the, sorry, the, the service this morning has, has gone for quite a while and it's been a blessing to be here to see people baptised an outward, an outward um, uh, confession of their faith in Jesus. But I just want to ask you just one more thing before... I'm going to read out uh, some of 2 Corinthians 3. It's a part of the word that actually ties very much into... To, to, uh, what uh, Paul has said to Titus, in Titus. But, um, but I want to ask you, is there anybody in here who is prepared to pray over other people this morning? Put your hand up. If you put your hand up straight, if you're a prayer and you would pray, and if people said, I want prayer, how many people would pray over other people? I would. I know Trent would. Yeah? Is there others? Is there anyone on the left flank over here that would pray? Yeah? I bet you there is. See, because if you see people who want prayer at the end of the service, because this is something else that the Lord's put on my heart, I want people to come and be prayed over. I want people to be blessed. I want to bless people this morning. If you're one of those people who just put your hand up, you, you be on guard because the Lord move through the power of the Holy Spirit here this morning and there might be many people who put their hand up for prayer and they need people to pray over them so they'll be scurrying around a bit of that you see um, so if you feel that you need to come out for prayer after this while the last song's being played please come and if you don't feel that you want to come out here it's not more holy ground out here like I said a couple of weeks ago it's it's, it's just like Joy being baptised then. And um, uh, I've forgotten his name. He's <laughs> getting baptised this morning. It's exactly the same. It's an outward confession or a submission, an outward submission to God. You can sit there and be prayed for, or you can come out here before. The actual act of standing up and walking out here and, and, and getting on your knees for prayer is, 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 is showing the world. I, I'm just somebody who needs prayer don't feel like doing that that's okay and if no one comes out that's okay but be prepared in every season to pray for each other look after each other guard your heart guard the heart of the church we are here not by chance we've been brought here this morning by the power of the holy spirit you might think you got out of bed and made your own mind up god made his mind up that you would be here this morning right amen so it must be a special time for you here this morning and you know, you know, the early church used to gather together and pray together and sing songs together and rejoice together about the miraculous signs and wonders that God did amongst the early church and then they would go out and tell other people about how, how good that was. I'm just going to read this very quickly and then I'll sign off. <laughs> this is, um, this is uh, uh, Paul talking uh, to the church in Corinth. 
and talking about what I was uh, mentioning about Moses there before. He had, a, had to put a veil over his face because his face was shining so much that it scared the people, you know. You know, when you've got the love of Jesus in your heart, it's contagious. It's contagious love. Forget about coronavirus. This is contagious love, okay? So here it is. It says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And then it goes up here, for we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that that all-surpassing power is from God and, and, and not from us. Don't let the teacher leave the room in this church, please, people. Always have Jesus the centre of everything here. Always have Jesus the centre of the church. Encourage and bless each other and pray over each other. Reflect the love and the glory of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, not only together here but wherever you go. It's contagious love. Amen.